already know I wanna be wanna be free I wanna be wanna be free Welcome to Liberty Chats, produced by members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council. Thank you for joining us. We talk to a variety of experts, leaders, journalists, and policymakers about our nation's founding principles, why they are still so relevant and essential to preserving freedom for everyone, what specific challenges and threats they face today, and how those founding principles best safeguard and empower everyone's ability, young and old, to attain prosperity and personal happiness. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Liberty Chats. My name is Lindsay Martin, and I am a member of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council. The Steamboat Institute is a conservative organization based out of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and we are dedicated to promoting the values of freedom, liberty, and civil dialogue. I am so excited about the guest that we have on today's episode. Will Witt is a media personality, national speaker, short film director, cultural commentator, and the host of the show Will Witt Live on PragerU. A college dropout, Will moved to California to pursue a career in media and politics. Will has amassed over 500 million views of his online videos and is one of the most viewed conservative media personalities in the country. He has made frequent stops on Fox News, The Daily Wire, Blaze, and he was also featured on the cover of the New York Times, which discussed the massive impact that he has had. So, Will, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I love thanks. I love Steamboat Springs. I awesome. actually years ago I went to uh, an event with the Steamboat and in, Steamboat Institute. This was a long time ago, like four years ago, in Steamboat Springs. So, I mean, it's just a beautiful place. You, you're lucky to be working out there. So me personally, I'm actually based in Oklahoma, um, but oh, Steamboat. Okay. But I have been to Steamboat Springs, and yes, it is the place that eventually one day it would be awesome to live and mm-hmm. to work there. So, well, thank you. I am so glad that you've already been connected to what we um, do. So I kind of want to get started uh, on just kind of learning about your journey. So you, your scope has really just grown within the past few years, particularly around the time that you got started with Prager Prager, you around 2018. So for those listening who might not really know about your journey, would you please share more about your college experience moving to California and how all of that has really uh, given you a platform? Yeah. So I was a leftist basically all my life and an atheist as well. And it didn't change until I went to college. And I'm actually from Colorado. So that's why I'm familiar with Steamboat Springs. I went to the University of Colorado Boulder. And there I became a conservative. You know, most people go to college and their parents taught them conservative or Christian values. And then they dye their hair blue and become a leftist. Mine was the opposite, where I became a conservative because I saw 
just how terrible they were to anyone with a different point of view. And that really turned me off, especially I was an English major and I couldn't understand why all of my English classes and science classes and all these other things I was taking had all this leftist political jargon inside of them. It made no sense to me. And so I started getting really involved with all sorts of different groups, Turning Point, uh, the, the Republican Party in Colorado, and then eventually found out about PragerU and made a video for them, which they loved. And they ended up, long story short, offering me a job so after two years, I dropped out of school and moved to Los Angeles to be doing what I do now with PragerU. And that was about uh, like four years ago. And the first video that I ever really made that that blew up, I did two. I did one where I went and interviewed people at the Women's March here in Los Angeles. And that was just, it got like a million views in a day. It was insane what the, these things that people were saying. And I didn't even know what I was doing, interviewing people basically. And then the second one is I made a video, I'm an Eagle Scout. And I said, girls shouldn't be in the Boy Scouts. This is when this was first happening. And that video got like 15 million views in a day. It went incredibly viral to that tune. And so there were just a lot of things that happened that I was able to capitalize on and say, hey, these are things that are really important to me and things that I want to speak up about. And it was able to launch my platform and, and, and really help get my message out there and reach more people. Well, that's great to hear, especially I think that that is something that is so crucial um, in this crazy world is to like show that, yeah, a person who was raised a certain way can really change and to flip on so many different aspects. Um, and yes, just a personal note, I was a girl scout. And so, yes, I completely like agree that Boy Scouts is for Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts is for Girl Scouts, but that's a different topic. Um, so something that has set you apart from others who have done similar things is that when you have filmed all of those various clips talking to um, college-age you know, students, whether that was on campuses, uh, in different places, is that you simply ask them straightforward questions about why they believe what they say that they're speaking on. Um, and what is crazy is that your questions are met with this pause and this like, hesitation and confusion. And it's like, they're just the most simple questions and people are just not able to make their case. And then they get mad and then security's called and you've been banned and all of this kind of like stuff. So what have you made of all of those situations? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. I think there's a lot of people who do kind of man on the street stuff and their main goal is to make people look stupid or make videos for, you know, conservative red meat content. And that has never really been my goal. My goal has been to change people's minds or at least open up people's minds to a different way of thinking. So when I'm going and asking people questions, I mean, obviously, if you read my book or see any of the other stuff I put out, I have very strong convictions about a lot of things. Okay. But the thing that you are able to do by asking people questions, especially when it's someone you don't know, is you can get those convictions out there in a non-confrontational way just by asking them questions in a humbling, compassionate way. And you can do that and you can change people's minds. I mean, that is the, the purpose of what I uh, am trying to do. You know, when I go out and ask kids about, you know, asking them, what is socialism? Do you think socialism is a good idea? And I'm able to just ask some questions and change every single person's mind who I talked to that day at Cal State LA when I made this video or all the other videos I made. 
that is a truly remarkable thing. And I think that anyone can do it as long as they stick with the, the strategy. People let their emotions get too involved. They get they think that they need to just prove the point by getting angry or just screaming facts at someone. But it's like, that's not really how people work in a lot of ways, especially if it's someone who you've never really met before. So I think the most important thing is, is asking the questions because it's not necessarily you changing their mind. It's them changing their own mind because they can't answer the questions that you came up with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's a perfect time to transition into talking about your book. So congratulations on the release of your new book. I'm trying to pick it up. Um, it is, uh, I want to make sure that I get it right. It is how to win friends and um, influence enemies, taking on liberal arguments with logic and humor. So fantastic work. I read it. And, um, and it is just a fantastic look and it's like different. It's like different than a lot of other books out there. So in your stages of planning it and writing all of the chapters, what did you want to accomplish with it? Thank you. That means a lot. I mean, I, I feel like there's just so many books out there that just talk about about why the left sucks or, you know, here's what's wrong with America. And so I tried really hard to actually give solutions to people. We're saying, hey, you can actually take these strategies, these questions, these these persuasion tactics and go out and use them on people. You know, maybe your your 40-year-old aunt who decided to never get married is at Thanksgiving dinner and she starts spouting off about climate change. You can take the things that you learned in the climate change chapter in my book to actually go and try and change her mind or the kid in your class or the person at your workplace. And you can do it in ways that's non-confrontational again. So that's what I really wanted to get out of it because- I feel like in the book, I'm not just blowing smoke because the questions and tactics that are in the book are things that I've actually done that have been really successful. And so I wanted to make it so that anyone can do those same things because the division in this country is just at an, I mean, it is absolutely terrible. We are in an ideological civil war because I don't think people know how to talk to each other. So I tried to make a book where people can talk to each other. You know, I'm, I'm of the, the persuasion that anyone's mind can be changed. If we just are compassionate, but then when it comes to the larger ideas of leftism and these other things that we need to vanquish that type of evil. And so I think my book does a good job of outlining that. And that's what I really meant to do with it. And you cover hot button topics. You like do not stray from just going right for it and you present facts and logic. And I think what is really crucial is that you put that history part in there of like, okay, so if we are going to really dive, you know, into this topic, let's look at what history shows. And especially for the younger generation, you literally say statements of like, well, if someone says this, then say this. And so I think that that's something that's very tangible and that people can really gravitate to. Um, when it can seem daunting to like be like, okay, on this big topic, I need to read all of these books and I need to research this. And for some people, especially in our world where people don't have attention spans longer of, of five, you know, seconds to read something longer than just quickly scrolling, I think that your book provides something different that that people can really use to help share how they truly feel. 
Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I, I think that this is kind of, I'm pitching my next book actually this week. So you're catching it okay. at a good time. And, and essentially my next book takes even, I guess you would say even higher level topics about things with elite corruption in this country and, and special interest corporations and bureaucracy, all these different things and breaks them down in a way that I think anyone can understand. I, I feel like that is kind of my gift in a way that I can take very complicated things and then break them down into ways that everyone can understand. So that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I want, I don't want, I think there's a great lie out there, like when it comes to like, let's say banking or the Federal Reserve or something like that, or pharmaceutical companies or something, they'll say, well, you need to leave this to the experts, right? There are experts who understand these things and you don't need to talk about it. Okay. Leave it to the finance guys or, you know, the, the drug doctors to talk about these things. You don't need to worry. And it's like, no, you should be worried. You should be worried about all of these different different things, right? As you, as an American citizen, should be concerned about all of these things going on. And this lie that people have said that you just need to follow the science, quote unquote, or listen to the experts is the downfall of us being able to talk to each other because people will just point at someone and say, hey, look, well, this expert said this. And so now, now I'm guilt-free and I don't need to worry about anything. It's like doctors in the 1970s were saying that this is the best cigarette the safest cigarette, right? It's like, you can't believe these people just because they're a supposed expert. So I guess the the point of what I want to do is break it down for people. So they feel like I don't need to be like a a PhD from Harvard to understand economic issues or cultural issues or societal impacts on different things, scientific things. And I can say, I can understand it and talk about it and be able to have conversations about it without that. I think that's incredibly important for people to do. And it's really putting the power back in people's hands of saying like, yes, you can know all of this stuff and what truly like now in this world that any person can publish things and can say that they're this and they're, you know, that. And so, yes, I think that that's a really crucial um, part. So it's like exciting to hear what you have um, coming in your next um, book, but going back to this book, I think a really crucial part, and it's in the book's intro, you say, what I have come to realize is that the same people who are worried about what the left will do to them if they speak up now should be far more worried about what the left will do to them if they don't speak up. I think that this is a perfect example of what we are experiencing. I know that even for like me, there are times that I like hesitate to go, okay, that does not sit well. I should say something, but oh, what are those people going to say back? Are they going to say, well, she's racist because she's white and this and this. And so even for like me, who I consider myself a pretty strong person, I still feel that same way. And I um, noticed that on your book tour that you had a little um, interesting experience uh, at a stop in Maryland, I believe, with a group of protesters. So how like was your book tour and have you received some negative um, feedback from that? Yeah. So one of the great things about my book, which has been really cool to hear from tons of people who got the book, we got we got number six bestselling book in America for the first week, which was really cool. And so, so many people were messaging me and saying, hey, I actually use the strategies in your book and it actually worked. 
You know, it wasn't, again, I, I felt like it wasn't, I wasn't just trying to blow smoke with this. It was actually like, these things can work if you actually use them and do them in the right way. So that was really cool. So that type of response was good. But there were many leftists who did not obviously have a good response at University of Maryland. There were 50 protesters who came out and said, Will Witt is a racist and a liar. They had signs and all sorts of nonsense. And, you know, I'm going up to them, trying to speak with them and and have a, a cordial discussion. And none of them would talk to me. They're screaming at me. They're saying obscenities at me. They're screaming vulgar things at me. And I, I, I tell them to come to the event. You can be first in line for the Q&A. None of them show up, right? None of these people show up. They won't actually have a debate or a discussion. At University of New Mexico, I had a kid uh, who afterwards, I go on Twitter after my event for the book tour there, and he's tweeting all these things that I said, you know, saying how horrible it is that I said I want to abolish public schools and things about vaccines and big pharma and all these, and he's saying all these things are horrible. And I said, you know, I quote tweeted him and said, you had every opportunity to ask me questions about all these things that you are saying right now. Why are you now just going on Twitter and, and complaining about it like a loser? Like you could you could have just came and asked me, you know, but they, they don't want to. They don't want to come and ask. It's so much easier for them to sit on their high horse, on their moral pedestal and say, hey, I'm so much better than these people. I can just complain about it. And I don't need to explain my rationale. Explaining my rationale, thats thats uh, these people aren't even worth it, right? They're fascists and Nazis. It's not even worth it. So there was negative backlash from the book. Of course, there was lots of it. Lots of people writing nasty reviews and articles about me and all sorts of stuff from me writing this book. But None of them could actually tell me why the book was wrong. None of them could say why I was this racist person hurting marginalized communities, right? None of them can say any of those kinds of things. They can put out whatever they want. It doesn't affect me in the slightest because until they have something that is actually going to be some sort of damning evidence to say, oh, Will Witt did this. I mean, it's it, it, it's just nonsense. It is, it is nonsense. And it, it, it's clearly indicative of how the left works in this country with shame and ostracization instead of actually looking at topics and trying to break them down. Yeah. Yeah. And that is something too, that I, uh, because I think that we have to be really crucial about focusing on facts. And so, yeah, you literally cite every, every paper and every source that you pulled something from, which is like, we almost didn't put that in what we almost didn't even put in the facts and resources in the back, but I was like, no, because it it took a long time to do that. I I hit, I'm not very good at doing (laughs) citations. You know, I suck at that. So they were, I was like, but I was like, I need to have these in because I know the people are just going to come and they're going to say source, source, all that. So I, I put it all in, in the back, even though it took a long time, I got it done. Well, even if not a lot of people look to that part, I think that that's crucial because, um, yeah, now we just have to like trust that what people are saying is true. And, uh, so yes. So yeah, I think that that was a really crucial part. So, um, just from following you on social media, I think it is fascinating to hear of the experiences that you have in the state of California. Um, because not all of the country experiences that I know for like me here, I am blessed to not experience restrictions and mandates this and all of that. And so, um, which, so what has been going on for you in your personal life with the past year and everything that has happened and wh- and where do you see that, you know, going towards in the future? That is a very large question. I will do my best <laughs> to answer it. I will, I can give you a one word answer and it's hell. 
That is that is essentially what it has been being a Californian this last year during this pandemic. I mean, the restrictions, the mask mandates, now vax mandates in Los Angeles. I can't go anywhere. I haven't been to a restaurant or anything like that, to a, a store, a, a gym, movie, like in two weeks because I don't have a vax card, right? And, I, and it's my personal decision to do that. I, or it should be. It should be my personal decision. But now I can't go and do anything in the city of Los Angeles. You know, the reason why I'm still here is because PragerU is here in Los Angeles. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck in a sense to be here. But it, I, I only see it getting worse. I only see it getting worse. Even as, as studies are coming out about the efficacy of all these practices, showcasing that the lockdowns have been actually a net bad on the world. You look at life expectancies of people in this country, you'll find that Black Americans had 3.25 years cut off their lives. And that's not from COVID. Those are from lockdown measures. You will find that all of these 41% of Black businesses closed down small businesses it's just terrible what is happening in this country because of all these measures. And I don't see it getting any better. Like now Greece is shutting down. Ireland, which has vax passports, almost 100% vax population, mask mandates, they are now having their cases rise by 275%. It's the same in Singapore. It's the same in Israel, the same in in, in some South American countries. I mean, it's just gotten so bad. I, I, it, none of this ends until people say enough is enough. Until they say enough is enough. And people will look at me and some of the things that I say, maybe this stuff right now, and they will see me as like a, a right-wing extremist. Even some people who are kind of more of the, the rhino establishment people won't go as far as me to say some of this kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, none of this stuff ends until people just stop complying with this nonsense. Okay, I live in Los Angeles where there are still mask mandates, but I don't wear a mask. I go everywhere without a mask. If they kick me out, they kick me out. I'm not about to go into anywhere and, and do this nonsense that makes no sense. You go on the National Institute of Health's own website. They have studies showcasing that masks have, have no effect in stopping viral infections, right? So why am I going into a store and wearing a dirty mask the entire time while I'm in there and not being able to see anyone's facial expressions? It None of the stuff makes sense. So I only see it getting worse uh, because information is not precious. Truth is not precious. The lies are the things that people really care about. And again, it's all groupthink. If people think that other people around them are wearing a mask or believe Dr. Fauci is God and, 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 and their leftist religion is how they need to live their lives, then they are going to be so adamant to protect that because they want to feel safe in the majority instead of being an individual who is brave and, and outgoing and, and passionate and articulate to say something that is new and novel, right? So I, I, I'm kind of giving a large answer with a lot of different parts, but but in general, I see it getting worse because people are too comfortable with their safety and have no desire to be brave or passionate people. Mm -hmm. And I think that they would rather have safety than have freedom, uh, whether mm -hmm. they understand the ramifications of that now, um, but like privacy too, because in our world, have you ever been fine to ask people, well, did like you get your flu you know, vaccine. And you're like, why would people ask me that question? Like that has never been normal to be like, okay, tell me like, yeah. So, well, I like asked a really broad question. So thank you for narrowing it down some. I tried my best. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as we're, as we are wrapping up today, are there any final thoughts that you want to share in terms of your book or any of the work that you have happening? I guess what I would say is that looking at some of this stuff going on now, 
many people will put too much faith in in politics. They put too much faith in someone because they have an R next to their name. We're seeing what's happening with with Glenn Youngkin right now, where he's talking about he's not even going to to ban vaccine passports in his state, which is, you know, this guy just got elected for basically that reason. And now he's not going to follow through with it. And I think people put too much faith in our political elections and the people who we have in politics. And to me, that is wrong. I think that people are focusing on the wrong thing. What this is, is not a war just on politics and economics and things like that. This is a war on values. This is God being destroyed in America. These are family values being destroyed in America, small knit community values being destroyed for the large urban collective atheist leftist world. That is essentially where we are heading to a a, a high tech uh, feudalism, if you will, is what it feels like for me is what we are going to. And so I think that people need to reassess the things that they really care about and the things that are important to them and the things that they are going to use their energy and time to focus on when speaking with other people. Because in my research, in my opinion, seeing all these different things, it feels like there is an elitist group up at the top who understands that Putting the left and the right against each other, the normal Americans left and right against each other is good for them, is good for business, and it does nothing to actually help us in the long run. Like I say, there is more unity between left-wing populism and right-wing populism than there is between, you know, like like me and some of the, the rhino GOP people, right? So I, I really think that this is a values problem. All of these things that are happening in America right now are for a lack of good values. We need to bring back the family. We need to fix education. Those are the number two things. Then we need to bring God back into America. And don't be, don't be coy about the things that you believe in when it comes to these values. If you are an adamant Christian, I got baptized 10 months ago. This is incredibly important to me. If you are an adamant Christian, don't be shy or bashful about saying that you are that. Right. Or if you're an outspoken or a conservative, don't be scared about being outspoken. Because, again, just like you said before that, that I said in my book, I mean, the, the, if you're worried about what the left is going to do to you now, you should be far more worried about what's going to happen in the future. If you do nothing now, things are getting so much worse. So continue to fight and understand that the real battle is not just this, this political jargon that, that we go through every single day. It is the values and fixing that in this country will bring us all back to what we really need to be in. Well, Will, thank you. Um, I think just from what you've said, it is so crucial that especially younger people stand up and are, you know, strong because we like are the next generation to, you know, carry the torch. Um, and so thank you for all of your work and thank you for uh, joining us today on Liberty Chats. Thank you so much, Lindsay. That was a lot of fun. Thanks. So to our listeners, be sure to check out Will's book, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share and leave a review on our podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and our website. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to today's Liberty Chat. I'm Erica Anderson, the producer of the podcast. Our podcast editor is Fingers Malloy. My co-producers include Charlotte Whalen, Zachary Rogers, Lindsay Martin, and Christina Eastman, all members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council, who represent the next generation of free market, free speech leadership. We hope you tune in again for our next Liberty Chat episode. Everything I own, all my
mistakes, girl, you already know I wanna be free. I wanna be free I wanna be free, wanna be free. Yeah.